You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC Podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation back again. A twofer, our second episode this week as the Packers get ready to take on the Seattle Seahawks at Lambeau Field in the divisional round of the playoffs. We are very excited in just a moment uh, to welcome back to the show Mina Kimes. I think this is the third year in a row that for some reason she has a conversation with us. Can't figure it out. Not going to question it. Some things, um, you know, sometimes good things just happen. And uh, and uh, we had a good conversation with her and excited to share that with you guys. Follow us on Twitter at the APC pod. Subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, hit that five-star rating button if you don't mind. I'm Zach Rapport, and I am uh, joined by the uh, the same old trusty crew here, Alex Patakis out in Brooklyn. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, even better than yesterday. How are you? <laughs> better than yesterday, except we're uh, we're gonna air this maybe on Friday morning. So it's oh, like podcast oh. yesterday is actually like two days. You know, whatever. We're to peel back the curtain here. High tech stuff, folks. <laughs> hey, man. I'm just hoping that um, Ben can can make it through this episode this time. Yeah, not get poochied. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It was not your fault. It's true. It was my <laughs> fault. To clear the air, it was my fault. I started my day by almost dying, so everything feels like icing on the cake at this point. Whoa. Ben Foldy, at Ben Foldy on Twitter, out in Detroit. Wh- you almost died? What? What happened? Well, I didn't almost die. I almost caught like a full SUV in the face. Uh, the roads were super icy here this morning, and I was driving. That sounds pretty death adjacent. <laughs> yeah, apparently like the east side of Detroit is like kind of a uh it's kind of like a uh municipal wasteland like you know there's like the the 
there's not a lot of city services, uh, yeah. as they're called. Um, so things like, you know, de-icing, very low on the priority scale. And so mm, this morning, yes. like everything's covered in a, you know, sheet of, sheet of ice. And, uh, you know, I was driving to the highway and I skidded through a stoplight, uh, you know, with my ABS kind of chunking along. And that was like, okay, the roads are bad. All right. Understood. And then uh, still going. And then all of a sudden, a large full-size SUV takes a turn too fast and is coming at me like pretty quickly, totally perpendicular to the road and to the front of my car and uh, clearly can't stop because it's sliding sideways at me. And I had to mash the accelerator and drive like sharp right turn to dodge it. Um, And the car behind me swerved into traffic, oncoming traffic to avoid it. And then the car behind that one caught the brunt of it. Um, but I, I think it had slowed down somewhat by that point. Um, any, there was but, there actual, any like uh car on car collision that actually happened? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. it, 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 it smashed into directly into the third car in this whole sequence anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, take it easy in the ice folks yeah, and don't careful. drink too much. Don't drink yeah. too much, uh, playoff, playoff weekends and be safe. Hug your, hug your loved ones. Tell them you love them. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Mina Kimes is set to join us in just a moment talking Seahawks, Packers, and hey, who knows, a little bit more. So Mina Kimes, right after this. At Mina Kimes on Twitter, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, ESPN Daily, Basically, every show on ESPN, not to mention uh, your written work, no days off, as Bill Belichick would say. Uh, Mina, your schedule is all jammed up, so we really appreciate you taking some uh, time to talk football with us. No problem. I mean, any chance to relive 2014, I will take. So. Oh, God. I just, you know, I just got back from therapy, and you're just bringing, <laughs> it, bringing it all back up again, so. I'm ready. We're off to a we're off Time to a for race. revenge. <laughs> to a, yeah, right. I don't. I don't know that we'll ever exercise those demons. We're this is a this is a whole different, a whole different scenario we're, we're working on here. But uh, before we we talk Seahawks, Packers, Mina, I wanted to start with this because um, you've talked about how the Cowboys coaching job uh, was going to be a great gig for someone, and it turns out after an interview and some kind of weird like adult rich man slumber party. Uh, Mike McCarthy gets that job. Um, is that a good fit in your mind, Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys? Well, according to Aaron Rodgers, uh, they went after him because uh, Packers have had some great performances. I think that was the quote against Dallas. Um, don't know if you guys caught that one. I did. Uh, I did catch a, it. As, I, oh. I, it. From your tone, does it? I, are you saying that that's a, a slight from Aaron Rodgers? What's your interpretation of that? <laughs> It just kind of, no, I, I think uh, it, it was just made me laugh. I don't know. I could kind of imagine him saying it totally. It seemed, it, it just not something I think you would imagine any other quarterback putting it that particular way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's not a bad fit. I mean, I, it, I was talking to my colleague Dominic Foxworth about this on the radio earlier today. I think kind of trying to evaluate most of these hires is pretty stupid, um, especially with the unproven guys. Now, Granted, McCarthy has quite a bit of a record, but, you know, he had offers this last year. He was not an, you know, totally uh, out-of-demand candidate, but he, I think there is a lot of truth to 
what he has said about wanting to sort of spend time studying the game and we'll see if that's true. I don't think there's any way of knowing um, how much modernized his ways are. I, I, I just think it's impossible to say. Yeah, I, I I was trying to make a similar point yesterday, but now that I said that, I realized that I don't think my points actually made it to tape, so I probably shouldn't bring up instances yeah, that didn't you happen. Were, uh, you were booted from our very sophisticated uh, podcast. We had some technical difficulties. <laughs> I had like my best podcast in months, and it and it was all for naught. <laughs> I hate that. That's how it goes. Okay, let's talk some Seahawks. On the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, I, I heard you refer to the Seahawks versus Eagles outcome as um, a highly predictable bummer. Can you elaborate um, on that a bit? Well, it, it's funny because the score was the same, I believe, as when they played the regular season. Yep, correct. Yeah, I, I think it, I, what I meant was I said on my previous pod previewing the wildcard game is that I thought it was going to be really ugly, and it was really ugly. Um, and I kind of think this game's going to be ugly too, to be honest, this Packers-Seahawks game, um, just because of, with the Eagles in particular, the teams were just so battered, and um, and that's a huge advantage for Green Bay in this matchup, although Seahawks have gotten a couple guys back who I think are important, but um, couldn't have foreseen, obviously, Carson Wentz going out, but even before he went out, it looked the way I thought it would look, which is, um, you know, just two very deeply flawed teams um with i think sort of very specific strengths i think the eagles have you know still very they have like a few stars across the roster and then the seahawks have the best quarterback playing in the nfc right now so i think the uh, d- due to the fact that teams are so uneven and for seattle there's always some kind of weird coaching decisions um you're always going to get kind of a weird ugly game that's why the seahawks games are always so weird and ugly to be honest you mentioned the Seahawks being deeply flawed and like a constant narrative uh, on this show and really in Packers land uh, all year has been that they're deeply flawed um, and that a 13-3 and record is totally a misrepresentation of how good they are. One of those flaws I think a lot of people are pointing to is this decline of Aaron Rodgers. So I guess I'd be curious like as someone who knows Aaron Rodgers, has been on this show before and kind of attributed his, his, uh, his you know, I guess drop off in in numbers to injury. How how real do you think the Rodgers decline is at this point after what you've seen this season? It's pretty undeniable. I, I watched the Lions game pretty closely, um, which was pretty rough. Um, it looks to me, and I'm not you know the greatest uh, analyst of quarterback mechanics, but there's some weird mechanical stuff. Uh, you know, he's doing that thing. I mentioned this to. Aaron, the other Aaron, Aaron Nagler, where he kind of like falls off when he doesn't have to a lot. The fadeaway, yes. The <laughs> fadeaway, you guys have a name for it. Um, it, which is not unusual with older quarterbacks, kind of phantom pressure. You know, I, I think probably a lot of it is just attributable to age. Um, you know, it, it's kind of thing where it probably would help if he had better pass catchers after Adams. Um, but, you know, he is equally responsible for a lot of it, too. Um, so yeah, I think obviously you guys have very good offensive line, especially vis-a-vis Seattle. So mm-hmm. you there's really no excuse for that. But, but, you know, I, I mentioned this on my podcast with Steven Ruiz, despite that, the Packers have a top, was it 11th best pass offense? No, you think it might be better than that, uh, efficiency wise. So I asked Steven to explain it to me and I'd love to hear you guys explain, you know, for all the criticism of Rogers and, 
you know, at very at times the scheme, the offense hasn't really dropped off much from last year. Uh, I think it's slightly better than last year. Is that pass offense? I, I want to be the pass off. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously the rushing offense is a big reason for that. Well, yeah, and I well, and I think also even a more like utilized Aaron Jones has also helped the pass offense. Yeah, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, I think as far as efficiency is concerned, it's a lot of really effective play action, at least for the first bunch of the season. I can't, I feel like it kind of, it, it almost ticked off a little as, uh, as the season went on. Play action numbers have, are not awesome. Yeah. But that said, I mean, I think Lazard has, is a better pass catcher than most people outside of the Packers universe give him credit for, and maybe even most people outside of me and a few others in the Packers Twitterverse have come to give him credit for. But, you know, Graham is garbage, unfortunately. <laughs> Be gentle. Devontae's good, but, like, I'm not sure how full strength he's been since he since he was out with Turf Toe. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a weird offense because even when it's good, it doesn't look that great like I was at the Detroit game in person and when I look at the numbers afterward it does not correlate with my lived experience of watching the game well you don't remember him throwing 55 passes in that game yeah that was the one thing is I did not remember him throwing 55 times if I were to think of Aaron Rodgers throwing 55 times I would think that the offense was was more effective than it was in person but I guess if you have to throw 55 times, you're probably not being very effective in the first place. Yeah, it's generally a bad look, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of missed throws, which I think you probably saw if you watched the Detroit game closely. You didn't have to watch it that closely to see those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like double-digit overthrows, right? I mean, like balls just sailing everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even some of the short stuff was really off-target, which has been kind of an issue all season. Like the five-yard intermediate stuff has been pretty bad yeah but then i say that and i still win all these games so what do i know <laughs> <laughs> mina i want to ask you specifically about those overthrows uh in detroit um a few days after that game matt lafleur and a presser was was asked about it and he um kind of tried to spread the blame around and basically said everyone uh needs to play better and aaron can't do it himself and i think there was a lot of mm. conversation that week about um, the timing uh, of those routes and maybe, you know, in one case it was Aaron Jones who maybe is not used to, to going along and, and tracking a ball and, and keeping up speed. Another one I think was MBS who, who, uh, despite his blazing speed has, has had some issues, whether that's injury or just psychological, had some issues, um, just hitting that second gear and just, and, and go. And he's looked a little oddly slow. Do you think that Matt LaFleur was like, just kind of covering for his quarterback there. Do you believe any of that? Or do you think it's, it's all Rogers? He's doing an unnecessary fadeaway. He's just off in that game. It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, LaFleur has had a really difficult, it's not an easy job. Yeah. Coach of the Green Bay Packers. And I think he's done a really excellent job uh, from a pers- people management side of it. Um, and so I, I think, you know, that there's probably a little bit of that, but he's probably not wrong. I think we have a tendency to blame quarterbacks for things that, receivers do sometimes um so i I've, i know as much we may josh allen incurred a lot of mockery in the wild card game but his receiver even in the broadcast too i think they, they were like oh john brown or i mean josh allen missed and he threw like a dime and john brown jumped at the wrong time and i think we give the quarterbacks too much credit we give them too much blame i think sometimes um but i don't know man i just watching that game i'm sure there were a few 
poorly timed, you know, routes and stuff, but it, there looked like some just ducks too, to yeah. me. So I don't know. And, and I mean, so, it was weird, right? Cause he's been so criticized for being too uh, Rogers for being too conservative and taking too long. And it kind of felt like he uncorked all of it at once. All the YOLO came out <laughs> and it was a little bit too much YOLO. So I, I just want to circle back to something you said. I mean, you said it's difficult to be the coach of the Green Bay Packers. Can I press you on that a little? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> is that is, or am I asking the the obvious? Yeah, I mean, it's not just Rogers. Like the expectations for the team are, you know, deep playoffs or bust, right? Like, would Packers fans be happy with, uh, you know, one and out? I don't think so. Well, they're not happy with thirteen and three. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, despite despite me thinking they would be garbage this season, or at least like more garbage, you know, I'm still convinced. I'm still not convinced that they're particularly good. Right, which is why this game is, like I said, ugly. Like these are two teams that are not great. Like, yeah, you know, compared to like the Ravens, the Chiefs, like you know. But um, I would say, you know, I think. It's not just Rodgers and those expectations. You know, you're coming off of an offseason in which you guys finally invest in free agency. Um, some of which has paid off in big ways and absolutely should terrify the Seahawks, one player in particular. But um, I think that all weighs on LaFer at this point, you know. And some Packers fan was yelling at me because I wasn't giving LaFer credit because I said the offense was about the same, but the defense. With, you know, like he was like giving LaFleur credit for the defense. But anyways, I think that's true, but I'm not going to yell at you. Were they actually yelling at you or was that uh, just Twitter? <laughs> just Twitter. Okay. They were just upset with my take. It, well, it came from the minority coach thing. So. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's one place uh, where Green Bay Packers are a difficult, let's say a difficult franchise to uh, manage in the race relations department. I mean, um, you know, I think undeniably of the first year coaches, LaFleur's season has been a success already. Oh, totally. So, yeah, it's a difficult job. Just going back to something you said about the if, you know, free agent acquisition that's terrifying you. Obviously, I assume you're, you're referencing Zedarius Smith. Obviously, there's Preston Smith, too. I saw the injury report today. The Seahawks offensive line is, like, very, very injured. Normally, in a game like this, I would say, like, ugly two subpar teams I would go with the better quarterback which I think at this point sounds like it's undeniably Russell Wilson but I also don't know like Rodgers offensive line is getting very healthy where Wilson's is kind of depleted as well as the backfield so I mean how much of an impact is health in general just going to play like is is if the Packers win is it just that the Seahawks ran out of bodies your whole team is healthy I mean the, the difference between the Packers and Seahawks is the Packers, I mean, there's a lot of differences, but you played a much easier schedule and you had much better health. That's kind of why I think these two teams are a lot more even, right, than it might seem. Um, even, like, an underlying, even, like, in terms of, like, regression, not obviously going into this game, the injuries do matter. I think the Packers offensive lines and Seahawks offensive lines play two different sports at this point. <laughs> They're not really comparable. Um, now, I, the Seahawks, I think, actually the injury report might be a touch misleading because, um, you know, the Dwayne Brown has been the big question mark. He had surgery a couple weeks ago, and this has been the week they're targeting as potentially a return for him. His replacements, um, George Fant, who was like an offensive lineman who at one point they had playing tight end. was actually pretty good last week, but I think a lot of that has to do with the Eagles 
most of their pass rushes, Fletcher Cox, who absolutely destroyed Seattle on the inside. So I'll be curious to see how uh, Zadarius is deployed because I'm pretty, I imagine from what I've seen of the Packers, I haven't watched every game super closely. Preston Smith sort of tailed off a bit. Um, so I think they're going to be pretty keyed in on Zadarius in this game. You know, there's things schematically they can do to try to handle him. I, uh, my concern is that the Seahawks will, as they are wont to do, be overly conservative and run the ball too much in the first half, admittedly against a you know weak Packers run defense, um, which I don't think they should do in, for a number of reasons. So um, I think that'll sort of be, from, from a Seahawks offense versus Packers defense perspective, the difference in this matchup, just basically how quickly Russell Wilson is unleashed because the wide receivers are good. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't the running backs have something like 17 carries for 19 yards last week? I mean, if it was a healthy Seahawks backfield, I would be like pretty concerned given like the, you know, also Kenny Clark's health status is not exactly great. Although I think he's going to play and be okay. But um, as currently constructed, the Seahawks run game, I feel like is just a shell of itself at this point. Yeah. I mean, but the other thing you have to consider and, um, I'm actually, I haven't looked at the numbers on how well the Packers defend mobile quarterbacks, uh, but Russell Wilson ran, he was the Seahawks leading runner and he basically, you know, decided to start running, (laughs) which I think is something he's kind of managed carefully over the course of a season. But I think that'll, that would also be a big factor if he decides to kind of uncork that a little bit earlier. I don't know why he's uncorked twice, but <laughs> if he runs early, I think that would also be an element you have to consider. Yeah, I I've seen some uh, some chatter on on Packers Twitter about uh, the way that the Packers um, used Kyler Fackrell uh, to last sort of, year. Uh, no, this year to to spy on a guy like oh. Mitchell Trubisky on like a mobile. Uh, unlike a mobile quarterback, now obviously it's not totally comparable to to Russell Wilson, but that could be uh, a, an idea as far as what they might plan to do uh, vis-a-vis Russell and and uncorking. Yeah, the difference being that's the only thing you have to do to stop Mr. Biscay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. You pretty much commit all your all of your resources uh, to that. Now, I mean, I, like what I would do, it, you know, what I would hope to see them. I'd, hope to see a lot of play action early on shocker i know um instead of waiting um you know the seahawks in the eagles game had a a lot of success with uh pre-snap motion it's funny the seahawks don't get a ton of credit i think for some of the pre-snap stuff they do because um you know you're not seeing like the sort of jet sweeps and end arounds things that are very obvious but they actually do some fairly interesting, I think, and creative things in terms of diagnosing defenses and moving players around. And, um, you know, and uh, I think this is a no brainer, but they got to go deep and go deep a lot. Your defense is not good against deep shot plays, you know, and oh, yeah, DK Metcalf is coming to town. Oh, don't remind me. So can I ask you kind of, I, this is almost circling back to the McCarthy question, but are are Seahawks fans getting to the point that Packers fans were at with McCarthy where you almost don't want him to win this game because you want new coaching blood? No. No? Okay. I, well, I think it's funny because maybe there should be a little more critical. I think Brian Schottenheimer incurs a lot of the wrath that probably should be directed to Pete Carroll a little bit just because... Um, it comes down from Pete, you know, his commitment. I mean, 
the Pete, the Pete Carroll thing is he coaches the team like they have a good defense, even though they don't. I think that's what frustrates people. Um, but, you know, given that he's not an offensive guy, I don't think people tend to blame him for the play calling and some of Got the it. mistakes on that front. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the, the defense. I, I just did a spot today on the, the Field Goals uh, podcast and the host, Brandon Schultz. Uh, he made the case that, Although this defense is obviously not the Legion of Boom, that many Seahawks fans are kind of undercrediting a decent defense uh, just because their standards have been so high over the years. A lot like how some Packers fans view any like non-elite Aaron Rodgers stretch as kind of a dumpster fire. Do you think there's anything mm. to that? And what's your sort of like overall grade or your confidence level with the Seahawks defense? Um, not great. I mean, the numbers would seem to bear out that negative perception. I will say in their def- in the defense of the defense, um, there's been a lot of injuries. There's been suspensions. You know, they didn't have Clowney until midway through the season. Ziggy Ansah is always hurt. Darren Reed was suspended. Uh, in the secondary, there were a ton of injuries. And, um, you know, they have this, like, infuriating commitment to playing base all the time. Uh, and just don't really have, like, a nickel corner. <laughs> um, I mean, they... they started playing some of the younger draft picks and actually like Ugo Mahdi and Marky Spare, and they've been pretty good. But I will say the addition of Quandary Diggs has been pretty remarkable who yeah. the CX traded for like nothing. For some reason, the Lions traded him to Seattle and he's been a massive difference uh, in this defense, which is reflected in the split. So I think that they are definitely not a good defense, but there's reasons why they've not been good that, um, you know, actually I think have been minimized as the season has gone on. I know that the Seahawks played two very close and entertaining games against the 49ers this season. They're obviously capable um, of, you know, maybe, maybe pulling off an upset in San Francisco, but I guess if you had to, how big of a gap do you think there is between the Packers and Seahawks playing this Sunday? And then the, what probably awaits whoever wins that game in the 49ers. It's weird, right? Cause on some level you think, well, both these teams are going to get smoked. Well, you guys did get smoked. Yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was ugly. Um, I, I think it's undeniable that San Francisco is a better team than either of these teams. Um, but they're not immune. I think the defense is not as good as they seemed at the beginning of the year, even though I understand that they're getting, you know, Quan Alexander and D Ford back, which is really helpful. Um, but. I also think they probably have a better coach than both of these teams. But I think, you know, uh, the Seahawks have a better quarterback. And, and the Packers, I mean, the reason why people would be foolish to roll them out is Aaron Rodgers is inconsistent now, but it's the playoffs. All you need is one quarter of vintage. Just, you know, I, just I know a little fairy sounds, dust. No, I mean, you know, you, all, the, you don't need a complete game necessarily. I think, you know, so... It's not impossible. Um, I, I, I'm trying to gin up some enthusiasm for either of these teams being San Francisco, <laughs> but I think it, it is going to be a, a tough uphill battle. Yeah, it's hard to do. Like the AFC actually feels like, you know, if we get Chiefs, Ravens, maybe it can be kind of fun. Um, where the the NFC, I just feel like anybody but the Niners has been nothing but negativity, like amongst all the all the fan bases. <laughs> but. Um, you know, Rodgers has proven with a few good quarters this year that that can carry them for entire games. There was like this very weird trend where they would go up 14-0 and almost like 
every game at the first half of the season, and then their offense would completely disappear, which, I mean, leaves a lot to be desired. But, um, you know, LaFleur, 13-3, and three, you can't take that away from him. But overall, like, the offense doesn't feel like it's... It just feels like it discovered Aaron Jones, and that's, like, the only difference between <laughs> last year and this year. So. I know. It, it, it would be interesting. I, I mean, it's funny. In the Vikings-Niners game, we're going to kind of see the sort of Spider-Man meme offense thing, right? And I, I kind of thought we might in the Green Bay-San Francisco game. Obviously, LaFleur is a Shanahanian, but um, you were so bad and just never even got to that point. Yeah. No, that was that was not a good look. But so, can, do you do you think that the Packers' kind of relatively thorough domination of the of the Vikings was not? Do you think that's because the Vikings are not good, or I mean, that restor- it restored a little of my faith in the Packers. Um, and I, I I'm just like curious where that fits in. I mean, like, look, you would not be wrong in saying that the San Francisco game took the wind out of the sails for the last third of our season, and everybody else we played after that was like, he's like, oh yeah, sure, we beat the Redskins, great. That Vikings game was a little bit of a, okay, maybe this team's actually good, or at least can be good. Um, and I'm kind of curious what your take on that is. Let me ask you, what do you think are the Packers' biggest strengths? Pass rush, running. Not turning the ball over. Is the only Not turning the ball over. And actually, and reasonably good playmaking defense in terms of creating turnovers. It's hard to win that mm. way in the playoffs. So that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny too. There's, it's very... Um, it's not very modern, right? Like when you look across the aisle at the Chiefs and the Ravens, they're the yeah. opposite state coverage. Although the Chiefs have a really good pass rush. I mean, they both, they just, the Ravens just blitz a ton. But they, they the Ravens in particular, I think, are the poster child for like the modern NFL team in that they have excellent coverage and a crazy, I mean, they can run, but they also have a crazy passing offense too. Chiefs obviously have a ridiculous passing offense. Um, I'm just not sure that that's enough right now i think going back to the game you talked about in particular i i honestly packers fans should probably thank me because i tweeted kurt cousins is good and instantly um you know you literally right after i you can you know like those win probability charts so they should make one of my tweet <laughs> yeah and that was kind of my bigger <laughs> takeaway which is that you can't trust kurt cousins yes also true so um I guess, but you know, I'm I'm not thousand percent sure you could trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll say that. So, and I think particularly you guys with your pass rush, I think uh, you know could be a pretty big factor. Now Kyle Shanahan would probably be very good at neutralizing it, but um, I think the Niners aren't a perfect team by any means. Yeah, Garoppolo does seem skittish when pressured, which is why I thought going into that regular season meeting, maybe the Packers had a chance. But I, I guess it's safe to say we're both rooting for the Vikings on Saturday, clearly. <laughs> yes. Go Kirk Cousins. I never doubted you. Uh, just don't tweet he's good. Yeah. <laughs> or no, tweet that he's good. Or yeah, yeah, don't tweet he's good. Tweet something terrible about him. In the last game, I, I tweeted something like, I'm not going to name him, but a certain player is playing early. That was like a crazy drive. And then he kept playing good. So. A certain player who grills weird-looking meat is <laughs> about to do something. He has the most brutal to listen to pre-snap cadence I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Before we uh, let you go, uh, I think the what's the line right now? It's like three and a half or four. The Packers are favored. Just straight, straight I up or down. It. What do you think? 
I saw it go up to uh, four and a half. Hmm. Oh, really? I, I, I checked maybe like two hours ago like, and it was three and a half or four. Generous. Yeah. I know. I was like, that's kind of tasty, but um, <laughs> yeah. Mm, okay. Three and a half. By the way, I was just curious. I pulled the um, passing numbers under pressure. Just, I was just curious to see. Uh, and Jimmy Grappolo has actually been pretty good under pressure this year. Really? Yeah, it doesn't feel like that, but... It doesn't, yeah, to the naked eye, but I guess... Wilson's fourth, Deshaun is tenth, Garoppolo's eleventh, Rogers is twelfth, which I gotta say is better than I would guess. Yeah, I was about to say, that's that's uh, pretty good news for Aaron Rodgers, based on my <laughs> imagination. Yeah. Tom Brady is 26. Um, I'll take... <laughs> I actually, I, I took the Seahawks in our official page, so I gotta, I gotta ride with that. Okay. All right. What do you have to lose? It's a weird one. I got, I'm going chalk the rest of the slate, so... Yeah. Right. Well, we would uh, we would say uh, good luck this weekend, but we wouldn't mean it. Good luck to you uh, personally, and um, oh, thank you at Mina Kimes on Twitter and uh, all your various podcasts and uh, and your written work as well. Everybody follow along, and we thank you uh, tremendously for taking some time and uh, chatting with a, a couple weirdos about some football. Appreciate it, guys. All right, huge thanks to Mina Kimes. For some reason, still picks up our call once a year. Um, at Mina Kimes on Twitter, again, uh, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, ESPN Daily, um, and again, just about every show that they air, she is on there spouting uh, brilliant opinions. We thank her very much uh, for stopping by. And uh, Ben, Alex, it's... It's a uh, it's division weekend here. Uh, we didn't give her our picks, but uh, we can do that now um, in the privacy of our our little trio here, a little Packers trio. Alex, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? I will take the Seahawks if we're giving them four points, but the Packers to win, um, and just cross your fingers for San Francisco. Just enjoy <laughs> it. It's playoff football. We've missed it for two years. Let's just just, just enjoy it. Ben, what do you got? I take the Packers to beat the spread. Excellent. Nice. I'm going to go that way too. I'm going to take the Packers um, to to beat the spread. Uh, I think they're going to win this game, not super convincingly, but convincingly enough. Um, and then next week, we'll get to next week when we get to next week. Uh, as Alex said, just enjoy some playoffs, some playoff football. Live in the moment. Live in the now, man, as as Garth Elgar would say. All right, we are going to get out of here. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy some playoff football. And uh, rain or shine, no matter what happens, we will be back next week to uh, talk all about it um, and uh, hopefully with some good news. So until then, let's go Pack Go. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. 
That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people 